Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to the Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell from Hightower Great Lakes. Good morning, Tim. How are you? I'm doing great, Eric. How about yourself? Doing fantastic. I am excellent. Self quarantine ing. <laughs> yes, we're recording during the quarantine time. Yes, quarantine time. Yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. And mm-hmm. uh, well, as you put it before we started this podcast, I've been doing that for a few years now because I do work out of an office from my own home. So I'm kind of used to this. I'm, I'm used to my own self. Yeah, you should uh, you should prepare a podcast just on social distancing. Yes, social distancing the right way and the wrong way. Um, mm-hmm. I do need to come out of my office eventually, uh, so you know, showering is good. Um, you know th- those types of things. Uh, yeah, and I think we talked uh, briefly about how you need to social distance from your dog maybe sometimes too, right? <laughs> well, yeah, he needs to social distance from everybody until he gets some breath mints because that dog. <laughs> Good grade. Exactly. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, it's ooh, a little tight quarters. He's a good boy, but uh, mm-hmm. he's got some dental hygiene issues. I've, I've been mm. teaching him how to use the toothbrush, and he just mainly just chews on it. So I don't know. He just doesn't get <laughs> it. He's just not the nice brightest ball, I guess. Yeah, you know. He's not a crow. You know, crows are smart. That may be the ah, next Ah, there bag. you go. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. They can use tools, like like three-stage tools to unlock things and, and sneak into your car and take stuff. It's just weird. See, you're 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 from Nebraska, so you're aware of things that we're not. So <laughs> some you. unique I, information. Apparently, I've got a lot of time on my hands to uh, to learn about <laughs> exactly. crows compared to you know real life things. So anyway, a lot of research time when you're social distancing. That's right. That's right. Speaking of real life things, what are we learning today, Tim? We've talked in the past about our you know wealth management formula. We mm-hmm. obviously we do the investment process, and right now through the quarantine time, we're focusing on that a lot with clients. But we also like to work with a lot of advanced planning topics like wealth transfer, wealth protection, charitable giving. But today I wanted to talk about a a wealth enhancement technique that relates to tax planning and cash flow enhancement. And that's really, you know, proper um, ways to evade, you know, as opposed to trying to avoid taxes. So tax planning. You mean avoid, not evade? That's what I mean. Yes, yeah, sorry. Well, that's Avoid, okay. not evade. Yeah, yeah. We, Excuse me, compliance department. Yes, that's what I meant. Big difference there. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I think I think evade is a Capone issue. Avoid is a legal issue. A, a good good thing. Exactly, and you know, so tax avoidance, you know, is actually supported by the government, but mm-hmm. um, tax evasion is not right. And we've all been familiar with, um, you know, big. Uh, I guess high profile examples. The I'm from the Chicago area, so of course Al Capone comes to mind, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know they couldn't get him to stop his criminal enterprise, so they eventually got him on tax evasion for not reporting profits, and that's it's usually what um, we find. Uh, you know, tax evasion strategies are is not reporting. Um, you know, recently, like a couple of years ago, Wesley Snipes, a you know, movie actor, he he was convinced by some group that. Uh, the IRS was illegal and, you know, they oh, weren't no. supposed to, they weren't really allowed to tax people. And so he didn't pay, but he ended up going to prison for three years. Um, and now really? he's back in movies, but never he, he paid the, he paid the price for that. Yes. Wow. I did not know that three years. Wow. Yeah. He was, um, he was 
insistent that um, the revenues and profits from his movies were not taxed, and uh, the IRS won. <laughs> he fought the law, and the law won. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that needs to be the new theme music for a while. All yeah, right. And then, you know, what? what's recent now is um, with the Astros, you know, scandal in baseball and how they likely cheated and won the World Series, and, you know, as a result, are they being fair to old Pete Rose, who they still won't let in the Hall of Fame, and you know, he ended up selling a lot of his uh, memorabilia, a lot of his mm-hmm. cards, um, ended up owing a million dollars in back taxes, and he also went to jail for about five months. So, again, just a high-profile example of not reporting profits. Yeah, yeah, so that's very important to remember that. And so we're going to talk about avoidance, which you said is is supported by the government, and, and I'm sure they're not super happy about it necessarily, but they're okay with it because you're doing it the proper way. Um, and you've got five tips for us? Exactly. And um, I, I have a friend of mine who is a former high net worth IRS audit agent, and he really only worked on tax returns with income of $10 million or more. Mm. And he always had this saying for me. He said that, uh, what's the difference? He asked me, what's the difference between tax avoidance and tax evasion? It's it's about four inches, which is the typical prison wall size. So <laughs> we want to do avoidance, yeah. but we want to not do evasion, right? So we're going to talk today about avoidance. All right. All right. Let's get into it. So the first thing I I want to stress is that, you know, you mentioned the government. Well, tax avoidance is actually designed and supported by the government because Congress, you know, determines that there's some things they want to create incentives for that they think are good for the country. So, Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of examples of government supported tax credits, for example, like recently in the last couple of years, uh, one of the one of the things that have been very popular are opportunity zone credits, and we talked a little bit about mm-hmm. that on some of the previous podcasts, where the government is saying we would like to create incentives for individuals to invest in distressed properties, uh, communities in particular. So they kind of create these zones, and they said if you invest, reinvest proceeds uh, from a sale of real estate into these opportunity zones, you'll be able to avoid and sometimes eliminate some of the capital gains tax. So that's an example of you know, avoidance that the government is really supporting. Um, One of the older ones that have been around for a long time are the investment tax credits. And the the government is saying, you know, we want to promote companies to invest in equipment, cars, but um, machinery, et cetera. So they allow you, you know, to deduct it faster with accelerated depreciation. They, They offer you credits when you make those types of investments. And they do the same thing with job credits. So Tax avoidance is actually a good thing, and it's government-supported, and so we want to talk about five strategies that um, you can use. And, you know, in addition to this, thinking about what the government wants and what they're promoting, there's also things that, you know, you want as a client, as an individual. So mm-hmm. taking care of yourself in retirement, for example. You know, so I'm, I'm going to forego some income now. I'm going to get a tax deduction today, and I'm going to contribute to a retirement plan. Or, you know, I'm going to make a charitable contribution. Those laws have changed a little bit. But, you know, you get there's still ways to get tax deductions where you're, you know, philanthropic and you're still um, using some of the tax credits or tax deductions to help you. Mm-hmm. So when we talk to clients about, you know, tax avoidance, what we're really saying is that, you know, we want you to take your social, your personal goals and make those impactful um, by ways by taking advantage of the tax law too. And so we also call it tax mitigation. It's just part of our advanced planning process. Gotcha. 
So we'll get into the five strategies. The first one is one that's probably familiar with a lot of people, and that's qualified retirement plans. And this is tax time right now. I think when this is posted, uh, I thought the tax filing deadline would be over, but it just got extended. So it'll probably be posted during, you know, before you're filing your taxes, or at least you might be extending. You have the ability to contribute to IRAs, 401ks. If you work for a university, a nonprofit, you might be a 403b. And, and you get this tax, you could either get a tax deduction for a traditional contribution. And then when the money goes in, it grows tax deferred. And then as you take it out at some point in the future, you pay tax on it. And one of the things we talk about with clients is the use of the traditional tax-deductible retirement plans versus the Roth version, so the mm -hmm. Roth 401k or the Roth IRA or things like that. Really, it's a matter of paying taxes now versus paying taxes later. So when we work with younger people who are just starting out in, the, in their career, so a lot of times we'll work with the children of our clients, they might be in a low bracket now because of their income. Their income has not really grown as much as it will in the future. So if they're in a low bracket, the traditional IRA, the traditional 401k doesn't give you that much bang for your buck, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to get a tax deduction, but you might be in the 10 or 12% tax rate. And that's not, that's not a real incentive because in the future, you will probably take the money out at a higher rate because you're going to be, you know, you're going to accumulate hopefully, and you might have to take it out at 25, 30% taxes. So without getting too deep into the numbers, when you're younger and you're in a lower bracket, oftentimes a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k makes more sense. So you give up the tax deduction today, so you don't get the 10 or 12% deduction or credit. But when you put the money in, it grows completely tax-free into the future so that when you take it out, you'll likely be taking it out when you're in a higher bracket and save more. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense, Eric? Yes, absolutely. So the big thing when you talk about, number one, uh, qualified retirement uh, plans as a strategy is which one do you do, the traditional or the Roth? But the second is plan design. We work with a lot of business owners. So for example, if you work for Google, you're an employee for a company, you typically have one option, which is a 401k or a simple plan or a set plan. And you're kind of, you're stuck with what you have and then we will work with you to make sure you're maximizing that. But when you're in business for yourself, you have a little more flexibility. You can, with plan design, you can, design retirement plans so that you can add additional benefits to key employees, to owners, to the highly compensated. Um, one example is a target benefit plan. We talked about this in episode 21 with Mary Steins. Uh, she's a CPA with Crow Chiswick. She's a subject matter expert in this area. Um, target benefits are kind of one of her main focuses. And if you are interested, go back and listen to that podcast. But that's an example of where we have a client, for example, I use this where he was five years from exiting and selling his business, and we were able to have the 401k for his key people, for his employees, but pile in a lot of additional cash for him in a five-year period to the point where he really was more solid or more um, reducing taxes today, saving taxes today, but had a much more secure retirement plan five years later when he was ready to retire. Mm -hmm. So it was a complementary or parallel path we set up in addition to this exit strategy so that he had um, greater resources when he was ready to exit. Gotcha. So that would be number one, re retirement planning, and that's one that people typically are aware of. 
So the second area we I want to cover was what I call captive insurance companies. And this is really specific to some industries, but you likely have gone in and purchased a car at an auto dealership where they're offering you different insurance coverages. A lot of times what's happening is the dealers are getting together, they're creating an insurance captive company, and it allows them kind of an additional way to tax defer money, uh, put it away, set up reserves, and defer it into the future. It's kind of a really complicated topic, but if you're in trucking, you're in auto, you know, you're an auto dealership. You're uh, some of these manufacturing companies that have uh, common insurance among your your peers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, reach out to us, and I can send you some information. We have a couple white papers just on that topic. Okay, that'd be great. Yeah. And then the third topic is is what I call charitable trusts, and we spent a lot of time on this back in podcast number thirty one, um, where we talk about charitable giving the tax wise way. And I just wanted to, so there's a lot of detail in there, so I don't want to get too much into it, other than to say, you know, one of the things that has changed dramatically as a result of the new tax laws that started this year are many people are not able to deduct charitable contributions. So it makes gifting appreciated property Mm -hmm. even more important. When clients come to us and they say they'd like to give money to the Boys and Girls Club or to United Way or whatever, their church, we tell them, we ask them, Instead of giving cash, let's look at your portfolio. Let's look at your your balance sheet. Do you have land? Do you have stocks, bonds, other assets that have appreciated? Because if we give those appreciated assets, you get the deduction, but you also avoid the capital gain on the sale. Mm-hmm. So it's just a more tax-efficient way to do it. And then the other part I'll just mention briefly is really planning for charitable contributions. Really, of all the planning we do, that is really very important because with the with the charitable trust, there's ways to get income now and transfer the asset later. Uh, there's way to get the charity income now. You know, so I, we have an instance where there's a charity a nonprofit just starting up, and really what they need is operating funds. So we had a client donate appreciated property. The trust, uh, the charitable trust, provided income to the charity over for a certain number of years. And then the principal reverted back to the client. So you can provide income to charity now and the family later. Um, you could also do things like gift annuities. So income versus gains, taxable gains, et cetera, are key. And that's why when you're talking about charitable planning, charitable trusts, um, you know, go back and listen to that podcast 31. But that's really where you require a lot of planning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then the fourth area is something we call um, tracking partnerships. And I'll give you an example probably is the best way to explain this. I work with an advisor on the West Coast, and years and years ago in the 60s, her parents bought a piece of land. Uh, They shared it with family members. Eventually, family members got out, sold their share to other people. Fast forward to today, and there is literally 50 people involved in this property. Oh, wow. And how do you manage that, right? So when you have disharmony among business partners, family members, and when you have more than two people involved, you're always going to have some, you know, thing you not don't agree on. There's very complicated but efficient ways to create different levels of partnerships to transfer property, to transfer control, to buy people out in, in without creating a lot of tax. Hmm. So what that's they're actually this family had a they were fortunate that one of the family members was a um, coach. Uh, she's basically a, a business coach. She does a lot of coaching for CEOs and helping them build a bench for the next generation of CEOs. And she really stepped up and spent 
gosh, almost a year and a half meeting with and talking with all the family members from all these different groups, figuring out what they wanted, what their needs were, what their objections were. I mean, it was a process. Yeah. Um, and actually, we're in the process of creating a podcast with her, uh, an interview, and, a and we already created a blog covering the topic. So by the time this comes out, you, sh you should be able to find the blog, and we'll post it on the site, and hopefully we'll have the podcast in, a, in a, maybe a month or so. But it's a great story about how to use these partnerships, but also how to work with family members in complicated situations mm -hmm. um, to accomplish uh, you know, all the different interests and goals. All right. Fantastic. That's Yeah, that's very interesting to me. I've never heard of that before. And wow, that's <laughs> I can't imagine how complicated that has been for her you know, to have all these conversations. So I look forward to that podcast for sure. Yeah, there was a movie I saw recently... Um, George Clooney's in it, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was based in Hawaii about some lands that, you know, over generations uh, he had become trustee of, and there were so many interested parties involved, and some wanted to sell to the developers, some wanted to maintain it, you know, for the Hawaiian um, as a park. Um, that's a really good example, too. So if I can think of the movie before the end of the podcast, I'll let you know, but that's a great, it's a great movie. Just Google George Clooney. There you go. The final area that I want to cover is uh, the fifth kind of tax planning areas, uh, what we call um, freezing the value of the business. And again, probably the best way to explain this is to go, go through an example. The industry tells me that really 95, 99% of business owners, very few of them know the true value of their business, right? They're focusing every day on the business, in the business, and they never, very rarely step out and try to determine really what's the value and how does this business value generate, will it generate the revenue and the support that I need for my family when I look to exit? Mm -hmm. So we worked with a client recently in that same situation. We prepared a business valuation for the client and what came out was a surprise because it was a lot higher than the client thought it was worth. Mm -hmm. But as a result, it pushed uh, the total balance sheet or total net worth into a position where there's going to be an estate tax when she passes on. So, and at the same time, there's multiple kids that she wants to benefit, but one in particular who's in the company and two that are not. Got it. So it created a real complicated situation where how do I get the business to my one child at the same time, not um, to treat the other two fairly, but now because it pushed the total estate over 11.6 million, there was an estate tax issue that she also had to address. So what we did was we... We worked with the attorney, worked with their CPA, worked with their insurance professional, and it's still going on so that we haven't got the, the final solution done. But we're working with her other advisors as a team to freeze the estate, mm -hmm. um, also set it up in a partnership structure like I mentioned previously so that we can take a, a discount and reduce the value of the estate below where it's going to be taxed so that we want the business to con continue to be successful. We want the child that's in the business to benefit from that. So as the business grows, all that appreciation of the business value will eventually accrue to the child that's in the business. And for my client and her estate, we're able to freeze that value today below the estate tax threshold. So there's not going to be any taxes due. Hmm. And the child in the business will actually benefit from the hard work. Because if, th if you think about it, if, a, if something's worth a dollar and now all of a sudden this child in the business makes it worth three 
and it creates a tax issue that the child has to pay and share in the burden with her other siblings, it's not fair to the next generation either, the, mm -hmm. the person involved in the business. So there's all these complicated competing factors in there, but freezing the value is one technique we use in order to make sure that we know what the tax is, if any, we know what the values are going to be, we and then it's easier to succession plan and an estate plan and tax plan going forward. Yeah, I... I this is near and dear to my heart. I mean, I'm not in this situation by any means, Tim, but I've been working with clients for a very long time uh, that, that have clients like this. I, I work with advisors, you know that. And to see a family in a situation like this where you have, and I'll use the same example, you have three children. One is working in the company and has worked in the company for the past 15 years and has, has done a great job of growing it and contributing to it and increasing the value. But the other two children, one, maybe one is a, a, a school teacher, right? Wonderful profession. We know school teachers don't get paid enough. And the parent doesn't want to leave them out when it comes to passing assets to them. You don't want to punish them for being a school teacher uh, just because they didn't want to work in the business or their life took them in a different direction. And, and maybe the other child is an artist who, again, it's not that it's a bad profession, but maybe they're a struggling artist or maybe they're a successful artist. It really doesn't matter. The parent loves each child equally. They want to reward each child equally. You've got one that has worked hard to grow the business over the past 15 years. They should be rewarded for that. You've got one who's a school teacher who's doing a very admirable job and, and they're, they're fantastic at what they do, but they make very little money. You still want to reward that person for their passion. And the artist, the same thing. You, you want to reward them for being, you know, you're just your child. You want to gift them something, but the fairness is the biggest issue among everybody. And boy, I'll tell you what, as a parent, you don't want to cause strife for your kids. So this sounds like it's a really good option or at least one good option. I know that you guys are still working through it. I would love to have a podcast when this is complete. I would love to have a podcast just about this scenario and just walk through it like a case study to see exactly what you guys did and, and how that was executed. Can we do that at some point? Yeah, that that would be great. I'll I'll talk to the client for sure, and I know there'd be there's a willingness on their part really to be part of a case study because we've actually worked with. Um, sometimes what I do is I meet two or three times a year with a peer group of CPA of a CPA attorney insurance professional, mm -hmm. and we case study and we brainstorm. Absolutely, and we actually are using this case, um, you know, as one of our case studies, and I've gotten some great ideas from one of the. Private uh, private client attorneys about the strategies, and so yeah, I would definitely love to do that because, Fantastic. like, to get back to what you said, you know, fair versus equal is always this big issue, and mm -hmm. you know, if you have an eight million dollar business when one of the children take it over and then they turn it into a sixteen million dollar business, you know, you don't want to have that per the child in the business have to, you know, you want them to benefit from the additional eight million. You also don't want to have the other kids pay taxes because now you have an estate tax issue. So there's all kinds of competing mm -hmm. um, forces that you have to really work through. It's complicated, but it, it's like a puzzle and it's always fun when you, you come to the end result. Yeah, absolutely. And and we've talked about family meetings before and how you help to execute those. And I, I can't remember off the top of my head which podcast that was, but if you're interested in in Tim's family meeting process and the things that they do, there is a podcast for that. Go to the website, check things out. I know he's got other information on his website as well, uh, but definitely, definitely very, very valuable to get everybody on the same page, even if it's at the very beginning of the book, if you will, on the same page saying, this is what we're going to figure out. It's going to take time, but here's why we want to figure this out. 
I think that'll take a lot of stress out of the situation right off the bat so that at least all the kids know, okay, we're going to work this out. And uh, I, I think that that's a, a good thing to know up front. Yeah. And, and the key takeaway, I guess I'll leave with this topic is you, know, you really need a team of quality tax and legal and mm-hmm. estate and insurance professionals. You need a network and you also need that team outside of the company. Absolutely. And I've mentioned this before in other podcasts. A lot of times people have very quality CFO, attorney for the company, et cetera. But you need an advocate for you, the owner, and you need to build a team. Um, and and that, that's really, they'll be the ones who help you as a team look at all these tax planning avenues, um, estate planning, wealth transfer, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. Tim, we, we've talked a lot about the resources and things that you have on the website and the fact that you yourself are a tremendous resource. So I'm going to ask you, can you remind us what the, the website is, maybe your email and phone number, how people can get a hold of you and where they can reach this great information? Sure. So you can always reach the, the website is htgreatlakes.com. So it's, you know, Hightower Great Lakes is the company. And my email is tscannell at hightoweradvisors.com. And you could always call me at 219-246-5370. We have a lot of resources and we'd love to help. Fantastic. Tim, thank you so much. I, I know that you are absolutely enjoying your quarantine time like I am. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I, I, I realize that I'm going to need to clean this mic a little bit more often now that I'm that I'm really full-time here. Uh, thank you so much for your time today, and uh, just stay safe, okay? All right, you too. Thank you very much. You bet. And to our listeners, we, we wish the same for you. Please be safe. Do the things that the doctors are saying and all the, the reports. You know, wash your hands. You know, just, just be careful out there. Uh, we know that this can be a really big deal, and to those that are sick already, we're we're hoping for a quick, speedy recovery, but we're just hoping to put a stop to anybody else contracting this. So listen to what the doctors are saying, and also listen to the next podcast. And I thank you for tuning in to the Wealth Stream podcast with Tim Scannell today. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, you can click the subscribe now button below, and the next podcast will show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with friends and family as well. Thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the WealthStream podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or legal information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. 
Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.